you know, where you might be sitting right now, it might be Buffalo Bills Sunday to you. <laughs> okay? And that's fine. You enjoy your bread and circus. You enjoy Josh Allen throwing touchdowns. Here at the square, we have a more refined palate. Okay? We call it Galarno Sunday around here. This uh, this is a celebration of Andrew Galarno, of food, of all the finer things in life. So we are kicking it here in the snake pit with, yes, you guessed it, Andrew Galarno from the Buffalo News, Mr. Buffalo Food himself. It's great to be here. But I, first, I have to say, do not diss the food capabilities of the tailgaters of Buffalo. Oh, we can do yes. a separate show on that sometime, right. but those people go hard. They go hard, right? Mm-hmm. What's what's the all right? So now you mentioned it. Do you have do you have a dish that stands out to you? Where you're like, wow, I remember this from a tailgate. Well, I have a standard uh, dish that I bring to tailgates when asked. Uh, I quite uh, modestly call it the ultimate tailgating mac and cheese. Ooh. So oh. it's uh, <laughs> my sort of mac and cheese. Uh, with shredded chicken and, you know, a lot of hot sauce and celery and blue cheese, you know, because it's buffalo. And um, it's great because you can you can bake it off, put foil over it, and take it, and the middle of it will stay warm enough to eat for, like, at least two hours, unless it's January. But Well, that sounds incredible. And I, I know we just had some, like, pizza and some fingers and we got charcuterie in, charcuterie in front of us but now i could go for some some mac and cheese i, I feel like that's going to be the theme of this episode is we're going to talk about food and then i'm going to want that food immediately yeah. so you know in a, in a whole we, we had john about what a year ago yeah it was about a year ago about a year ago and i i wasn't here so i'm happy to be here today and and chop it up with you as they as they say um we got a whole new landscape it's a it's a whole new ball game here in terms of food in western new york Give us some of your hot new, newer, newish restaurant establishments because it's a lot has changed. Uh, I would say that the new hotness in terms of places I find myself sending people the most often are would include uh, the Little Club on Hurdle Avenue across from uh, Ristorante Lombardo. It's run by the next generation of Lombardos. It's lighter, brighter. Not so much cream sauces and veal chops, but more, a little bit more vegetables. But you can get a really nice, fantastic uh, uh, chicken entree. People have this idea that the Little Club is a wine bar. It's not. It's a restaurant with a smaller menu that happens to have a metric ton of wine choices and people who can explain them to you. Second, I would say, if you haven't been to Compass Run, the next installment of the James and Connie Roberts uh, efforts after Toutant, then you should get over there, especially if you are kinky for pristine seafood presented simply. Uh, One dish that stands out there, uh, it's called the Good Living Platter. You get a platter of crushed ice. What comes on it is a split poached lobster tail uh, for golf shrimp, like not from lowest quality denominator, who knows from where in Asia, shrimp, uh, four raw oysters of the day, and various uh, cocktail sauces, mignonette, and stuff like that. And he charges $26 for it. 
pretty good. I, I can vouch for that. Adrian and I went to Compass Run a couple months ago. I got the good living platter. It is as excellent as you are describing it. It It is fucking awesome. I mean, and they also do fried stuff really well. Uh, cornmeal crusted catfish fingers, uh, which are gluten-free because they're using cornmeal. And uh, a really deadly mac and cheese. Okay. Uh, third place, though. I I feel like Moriarty has to be mentioned here. Mm-hmm. Cafe Moriarty, Cafe Bar Moriarty uh, on Elmwood. It's got the smallest parking lot and the biggest heart of of any of the new places. Basically, I would I would describe it this way: uh, Cafe Moriarty is a clo- Cafe Bar Moriarty is the closest thing that Buffalo has to that little neighborhood cafe that people fell in love with when they visited. Spain or Portugal, uh, just a few dishes done bang on well and choices from like $2 a bite till they top out at like $18 if you get like the pork schnitzel special with salad or something like that. Which, which if they have, get that. I had it and it's amazing. And, you know, it's all runoff of the butcher shop next mm-hmm. door, which started as a butcher shop. So mm-hmm. basically um, it's a... a there are some things that are always on the menu, like a really terrific burger and uh, the Moriarty twist on beef on weck, well, the Frenchie style. Uh, but go in there, uh, get a glass of wine or some elderberry solda. Sorry, elder flower solda that they have it, on the non-alcoholic side. And just it's just unlike anything else in Buffalo. You know, and those are all... I mean, I, I haven't been to Moriarty. Jim's been banging on about that for a long time. Compass Run, um, incredible. And what was the first one again? The um, Little Club. Little Club. Right. I, I haven't been there. Those those all sound great. One one thing I've wondered is when a new restaurant pops up. Now, are they are they soliciting you? Like, are they you know are they sending you an email like, hey, we popped up, or is it word of mouth, organic through you know your friend and. Uh, peer network or how do, how do these places get on your radar? I would say all of the above. Okay. Um, it is my job every week to put out uh, a news column focused on restaurants. That's openings, closings, uh, one-offs, pop-ups. Um, I try to start it with a little bit of a feature sketching out the background of like a new place or a little bit of an obituary for a place that was well-loved. Um, and so every week, um, well, I'll tell you what I little, you want to, my, my work, my work, my workflow is like this. I'm just curious on the craft here because I know everything. So I spend a lot of time flipping through social media. Anytime I see something that could be a lead, I screenshot it. And then on Monday mornings, I flip through all my screenshots, make a list of all the leads and I start making phone calls because I'm a, I'm a reporter first mm. and I need to find out what's going on. And out of that, I decide what to put in the column. Now, um, sometimes restaurants get a hold. Listen, if you're opening a restaurant in Buffalo, New York, get a hold of me. Uh, a Galarno at buffnews.com at Buffalo Food on, you know, the socials. I'm not a hard person to find. Send me, you know, and, and anything that you want in the Buffalo News, whether it's a quick one-off or a bigger story, just remember that I work on print deadlines. I'm not a television, electronic media person. 
I need information at least two weeks ahead of any event to exploit it properly the way it should be, to be able to make a photo assignment for it, to be able to do something with it. Um, the world moves faster in a lot of places, but not here. So people get a hold of me. Yeah, friends tell me about places. Um, my favorite, and this happens a shocking amount of the time, is that I'll get an email from a reader who is like, hey, what about this place? And I'll be like, I don't know a damn thing about it. Let's go. And that goes on the list. So one of the things I think I've done well uh, in the world, the journalism world, and, and as we march on into the digital realities, is I've been able to use social media as a, as a reporting tool. And I've developed an audience of people over the years who when I put out a call for information, they're like, they send me information. And I love it because if I had to put it on a bumper sticker, it's, we know more than me. <laughs> and I'm the collector, that's all. I mean, I'm not like, hey, I know everything. I'm the guy who knows he doesn't know everything, but knows where to ask. Yeah. And I like your approach. Well, it, here's the thing. That's how you find out about new things. Right. Uh, I, you take the same drive to work every day. Mm. Uh, when you think of places to go for dinner, you think of the places you know. So how do you get new stuff into the mix? You make a list, and you go down it. And you explore it a little bit, and you see what has potential and where you can lean your weight as someone who has the biggest media megaphone for food in western new york and that's the buffalo news are there are there times because i'm just thinking about you know adrian and i were in bed this morning we woke up late and we're like man let's get some breakfast and then we went down the list of restaurants we're like i don't know i don't know and we ended up ordering remedy house which i'm not mad about it i love remedy house uh shout out to my boy justin uh who owns remedy house but i'm just saying i feel like a lot of times it's very easy to kind of like fall back into your, I don't know, I don't know, let me, uh, let me go to the same places that I usually do, which I get, it's your job to explore new places. But is there ever that part of you where you're like, you know, let me just go to, go to my old favorite, check out something. Or is it like, nope, job's a job. We got to keep pushing forward. It's funny you should ask that. That's an ongoing conversation I have with my girlfriend. Uh, is this a place you need to go to or that you want to go to? And I would say for somebody who dines out more than most people because it's my job, I would say 25% of the places I go to are because I want to go there and the rest are work. I mean, you can laugh when you say work. It's going out to dinner and ordering food and trying to evaluate the situation. But yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I eat a lot of food. But in the end... I'm trying to figure out what do my people need to know? What is worth pushing up? Because, you know, my, the list of things I could write about every single week, I probably have 25 on it. I can fit eight in the column maybe. So what you do over time is you just try to make sure that everybody gets a shot, that everybody gets in there. I always look for ways to put places that I haven't had in the report in a while. Just what are they doing? Bring them in. Are they in an event? All right, let's, you know, this week, that event is the event I'm going to put in there because I, have, I can mention restaurants I haven't mentioned in a while. Just try to keep it fresh for people. For sure. Did, did that answer your question? No it, 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 no, it did. And I can only imagine the kind of pressure because I think, you know, sometimes I just want, 
like a just a sandwich, and I just will eat the sandwich, and I won't I won't think critically about uh, the ambiance of the place that I ate it at or the quality of it. I simply want a sandwich, but you have to be kind of on at all times at all meals. Which you you say you know we laugh, we think it's work. I think it's work. I think that's a lot of work actually. I would say that I mean when I'm at a place to evaluate it, it's less fun for sure than being able to just go to a place because I wanted to go there because I know it's good and I want to get the thing I had before that mm-hmm. I really liked and because I, I really like that and, and I can't get it anyplace else. But I know here, man, that, that dish really destroys that spot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a relief. You know, other places, when I, when I go to evaluate a restaurant, you know, um, I am there with a huge sympathy for everyone who is working there, owning it, trying their best every day with what they have been handed to do their jobs. But then I got to do my job and I don't work for them. I work for the readers. So I got to be fair, you know, and if I'm giving bum intel, people are not going to read my stuff. And my, and all I got is, you know, my reliability. So, I always got to remember, like, I might have sympathy for a restaurateur who's having a hard time and people who, a place that's empty when it should be full, but I can't let that sympathy over, overweigh the fact that it is a value proposition. Mm. You want to walk into a restaurant, communicate, get something like what you asked for, for, some, for the price that, that was agreed upon, and you want to eat it and leave and be full or, or satisfied at least, mm-hmm. and not go... That was, you don't want to walk into the parking lot going, that was disappointing. I think we've all done that walk of shame, sure. right? Like somebody told us, oh, you got to go to this place. And you're like, all right, all right, cool. Uh, we'll get some people together and we'll go. And you go and then you have, you know, dinner and the company is great and you're talking to people and everybody has a couple of drinks, so it's okay. But you're walking out in the parking lot and you know in your mind, you're never going to go back to that mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Well, I do that for a living. <laughs> Regardless uh, of your objectivity, I think you're pretty fair. I think you're pretty fair in your columns. Well, here's the thing. Um, you're never too hard re- on anyone. What a re- well, what a relief it was during the pandemic to finally be able to reshape the review along the lines that I wanted it yeah. to go. And they allowed me to do that, and I am ever so grateful. No more scores. Unnecessarily reductive mm-hmm. and f- sweat-inducing for everyone involved. Right. And also, more importantly... No more write downs. No more will I spend my weeks sweat, blood, sweat, and tears. Well, not blood, sweat, and tears, but uh, creative energy and 800 words and a Buffalo News photographer going in and shooting all the food and doing everything else we do for free for people. Um, why do that for a review where the bottom line is you're telling them, eh, maybe you shouldn't go here? Mm-hmm. I used to have to do that. I don't have to do that anymore. <sighs> yeah. So this is what I do when I call people now. I say, hey, we're going to review your restaurant. And then I give them the speech, which is, you might not know this. You might not have noticed, but I don't do write-downs anymore. If I'm coming to see you, it's because I love what you're doing or I love something that you're doing. And it's my job to transmit that love to my audience, to pitch my audience and try to convince my audience Here's why I love this place. Here's why you should love it too. That's why I'm here. 
please help me, which is a whole different thing. One thing I'm curious about, uh, so in the past year since we talked to you last, uh, Alden Brown was in town again. And if you don't want to talk about this, that's fine. But, uh, you know, I'm just curious on how he is and how you change his mind on the Buffalo wing and anything else you'd like to add. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Take a sip of the creamer. (laughs) Gotta wet my whistle for this. There we go. So Alton Brown famously said, I think it was 2018 on some show that Buffalo doesn't have the best Buffalo chicken wings. Right. People were predictably outraged, and as they should be. Um, When he... when his touring show, you know, he makes uh, a lot of money uh, on a road show. This guy does 100 dates a year in addition to all the TV stuff. And um, he was coming back to Buffalo, and I suppose ticket sales were a bit flat. And he had an extra day because of a snafu at the border. Their Toronto show got canceled. So I don't know where I get an email from someone who says, Hey, I'm Alton Brown's personal assistant. Um, would you talk to him about where he should eat chicken wings in Buffalo? So, of course, at my computer, I see this email, and I'm like, I was born for this. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, absolutely I would. And next day I get a call from Alton Brown. I've talked to Alton Brown three or four times before, uh, publicity interviews. Um, he, uh, In the world of celebrities who I've talked to, he is – probably top three in giving you genuine interviews as opposed to, you know, pulling off the can track that they've memorized that they, because they've done 300 interviews on this and they're, you know, they know what to say. No, Alton Brown gives you the real deal. Uh, when you talk to him, which was interesting, he, you know, he, he comes off on television as a bit of a, uh, prickly personality. Um, Talked to him for 45 minutes. He's like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, okay. So it turns out that, um, so Nate Geary, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, WGR, had gotten a hold of Alton t- to get him to do a cameo, you know, where they'll pay money to, like, do your track. Yep. And in the negotiations over what he was going to say during the cameo, Nate was talking about to him about chicken wings and said, if you ever come to Buffalo, I'll straighten you out on that. So Alton had, had already set it up with Nate Geary, but he roped me in because I'm the food guy in Buffalo. Uh, so that's how that came down. So we uh, agreed on an agenda, like where we would go. And I meet Alton Brown and his wife at the Buffalo News. And he's hired a, I don't know, a limo SUV, oh, I guess. Okay. And we go on the tour. And... Um, he is smart and capable, and he doesn't mind declaring himself wrong. This was a redemption tour. Uh, I don't think Alton Brown was going to go out with me and Nate Geary in the end and still be like, nope, flipping double birds, <laughs> suck it, Buffalo. I would hope I, that, that would have been amazing, yeah, though. I mean, yeah, uh, <laughs> so I mean, it, it's not. People say you convinced Alton Brown that he was wrong about Buffalo chicken wings, and as much as I would like to take credit for that, I don't believe that's fully uh, accurate. Uh, so, I mean, th- I took him to the right places, is all. And he was like, "Yep, I was wrong." I mean, sure. okay, so if that's credit, then that's credit. So we went to uh, Barbell, original Barbell. Right. Uh, we went to, then we went to Lenovo, 
Those are the uh, charbecue wings, right? The, for the like, charbecue yeah, pit right. wings. Yeah. And then when people realized what was going on, uh, the owner, Joey Todaro, showed up and started serving the table himself personally. Wow. Which I am given to understand does not happen a lot. Yeah, I imagine. And he was the one who pressed. Uh, I was. I said, hey, we're here for the charbecue. He's like, but Alton also has to have my medium. And I'm like, it's your place. And when Alton Brown took a bite of the medium wing, he was like, okay, 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 this is it, this is it. I mean, so I, he's, 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 uh, we've already got a photographer there, okay? Like, he's a guy who's comfortable in front of the camera. He's like, okay, are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? And then he does the take. He did the take. He was like, this is the wing that made me decide I was wrong about buffalo chicken wings. My apologies. Wow. And then we went from there to uh, Elmo's. Mm. And we went from Elmo's to Duff's, which had been my pick as my uh, Heartland favorite for your Buffalo-style chicken right. wings. Again, it's my favorite, right? I imprinted upon it as a young child. Mm. Uh, it, it, there's only so much we can do about that. I'm always going to be, it, at heart, if given a choice and a gun to my head, a bocce on Bailey, cheese and pep, well <laughs> right. done, no trim. Your God. pizza style and you know, all that stuff I mean, evokes it, the memories. I don't know how much that. I can really do about that. I enjoy a lot of other things. But in the end, back to Alan Brown, it, he was super polite. He was holding doors for little old ladies so they could, you know, get out of the restaurant at Buffalo, uh, at Barbville. Uh, a southern gentleman. Insisted on paying for everything. Tipped well. Um but really, if I'm not going on too much length, so one of the interesting things was... No, you're fine. So even when we're on... So we're on the way to Barbell to get his first chicken wing in Buffalo, and I'm like, okay, chicken wings. Who cares? What are you having for dinner tonight? That's the real question. He's like, well, what should I have for dinner tonight? And I said, well, that's a question I can answer for you. I mean, this guy's been all over the world he's been all over the country yeah. like it's not like hey, where do you send him I, I, i'm not i'm not sure a plate of pasta and buffalo is gonna like <laughs> turn his turban you didn't send him to chefs so what i was like <laughs> how much burmese food have you had he was like i've never had burmese food and i was like i got you now i got you because you've never had tea leaf salad he's like what's tea leaf salad and i'm like you're gonna thank me later so i explained tea leaf salad to him which is kind of the national dish of Burma. For those of you listening who are not familiar, it is one of the most exciting, rousing salads I've had ever, and it's vegan. Wow. Okay. Wow. Now, now, here's what's in it. Uh, shredded cabbage, diced tomato, fresh. Um, uh, peanuts, fried nuts, uh, sesame seeds. There's a lot of crunch. There's a lot of juice. It's dressed in garlic oil and the most important component, though, is fermented tea leaves. In Burma, the same bush that you might take, clip off, dry out, make a beverage out of, they treat it like sauerkraut. Mm. Chop it up, put it in jars, ferment it for over the winter. So they can, you know, they harvest it all at once so they can eat it all year long. Yeah. And they take that, add that fermented uh, tea leaves, so you mix it with all the, the tomato, uh, cabbage, and, and garlic oil, and it's delightful. And I explained this whole thing. He was like, oh, my God, we have to get that. And I'm like, see? <laughs> so after all the wings were done, we had actually made a date uh, for 
me and his wife and my girlfriend to go get Burmese food, but then that got canceled. So the next day, the day of the show, right, at Shea, they're at Shays. He's, like, texting me. He's, like, where's Shays? Where should I eat? So I bang, 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 bang. You know, uh, Hearth and Press is right across the street. Uh, there's Public Espresso. Um, and I said, actually, and I said, if you want, I would go to Niagara Cafe, honestly, if you oh, want to yes. load up for the whole crew. But obviously, little light on the vegetarian stuff. And I said, but actually, there's a Burmese restaurant three blocks from you. It's called Rakapura, 301 Main Street. Uh, it's in that weird cath- building on the slant next to the cathedral. Yep. Um, I said, those people, honestly, um, they will hook you up with your tea leaf salad and everything else. And actually, um, you know, I've been trying, uh, they're, they're great people. You should check them out. So he goes down there. He was like, all right, maybe we can meet for lunch. And I'm like, yay, lunch with Alton Brown. But that didn't happen. But then later on in the afternoon, it's like three o'clock. And the show's at, you know, curtain. It's like 6.30, like three o'clock. I'm seeing he's tweeting out Rakapura to his 4.4 million <laughs> Twitter followers. He's like, you guys should eat oh, at Rakapura. And I'm like, so I'm like, all right. So I, you know, retweeted it out yeah. there to my, you know, 15,000 or whatever I have. And um, I was like, this is really great. And then he, um, he texts me later and he's like, how do you pronounce your name? I want to give you a shout out from the stage and I don't want to mangle your name. I'm like, oh, that's nice. So it's the first time ever I used the voice recorder text thing and yeah. <laughs> sent him my name. And he was like, you know, thanks. I am completely in your debt. He texts me back. And I'm like, I'm like, How actually, actually, I feel like we're even because <laughs> you tweeted out, you, tw- you happen to tweet out a restaurant that I am trying desperately to get attention and business to, to 4.4 million Twitter followers. I feel I feel like we're even. <laughs> even and, and then an hour later, um, I noticed that after that exchange, like, I don't know what it's like being backstage at Shays while you're getting a live production show going. I understand it's probably fairly complicated. Like an hour later, I noticed he's, he went back to his phone after I talked to him, about that, after I tweeted him about that. And he retweeted my tweet and he wrote, anyone who lives within an hour's drive of Buffalo, New York should eat at Rockapur restaurant. Bing. And with a picture. So to me, uh, Alton Brown with the first tweet had well well satisfied my definition of what like uh, 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 a Wivet star would do but to go back and then to retweet it like with that like obviously he's you know he's he's being a hype man here and god bless him for it he didn't have to do that we were good okay that's the end of my own brown story no that's yeah. awesome you know what he was doing and he took the time to do it and god geez, i mean he's got he had a few things going on and sure. he was like no right now this is what i'm going to do and he, and he and he did it so uh he will have my respect for that he's a real one that's that's really cool um what one thing i wondered as you were talking about the chicken wings earlier not to go back too much to chicken wings but i do i would like you as the obviously resident food critic here um, to weigh in on the burgeoning cultural debate on par with like ketchup <laughs> and mustard on hot dogs, uh, blue cheese and ranch has become like a dividing cultural touchstone oh here that in it's Buffalo, way overblown. I mean, you know, in, in uh, professional wrestling, they say it might be a work. Oh, I feel sure, like it might sure. be, you know, the big, 
the big topping industry might be trying to work us here. But uh, do you have any any thoughts on those who uh, swear by by ranch or you know it? It's almost it's a meme at this point. Who did they make? Which Bills player did they make disavow his love of ranch? Oh my! Was it Diggs? I I don't know. He has his own blue cheese now. He has his own blue cheese now. Yeah. I'm so exhausted of these ginned up food controversies. (laughs) I am also completely uninterested in the discussion of whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich. Oh yeah. People are like, well, and I'm like, here's my thought. Who gives a shit? Don't we have more important things to talk about in the world? Okay, um, it, look, if you like ranch on your chicken wings, by all means, let your freak flag fly. I mean, uh, uh, I think I'm going to quote Mao here. Let a thousand flowers bloom. Let a thousand schools of thought contend. I mean, really, it doesn't bother me that somebody else... Now, if somebody wants me to say that ranch is better with chicken wings than blue cheese okay then we got a problem then i will i will fight you you'll not be um, coerced you know uh i'm just not i'm just not into these yeah i think we have bigger things I, to have culture wars about i'm with you i agree how about tipping how about tipping how about it it's funny you mentioned that right because we have a new uh, establishment on the west side extra extra i believe that um i think they are a pizza place but they have everything is built the pricing is built in to account for uh gratuity or tipping that's you know so there's no tipping but the expectation is that what you're paying for the food is what you pay for um i mean this is kind of a you know it's been tried in other cities to uh, you know minimal effect right right right. it's 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 a model that's been kind of tried but i mean is are there is there any legs to that sort of thing well, first, I would say that I wrote about Extra Extra Pizza and their um, remarkable, we're all in this together uh, structure. Mm-hmm. Everybody there, including the owners and the employees, makes the same hourly wage. And if you work there for 18 months and cross train on all the stations, you can buy, you can get, become ownership. You can get a piece. And, um, you know, it's just one of the things, uh, one of the ways, one of the reactions, especially during the pa- after the pandemic, that has come out of the increasing understanding of the ridiculousness of the American restaurant system, by which I mean uh, a system whereby supposedly voluntary sums of money need to be put in the tray every single time you have a meal or that server is going to literally lose money. It's, it's billed as a voluntary thing, which means that it has made a certain segment of the restaurant world into a place where you have to bow and scrape and suck up all manner of minor and greater indignities mm-hmm. in order to make your daily bread. I have heard many pro-tipping system arguments, and they all come from people who got the gravy shifts. The people where, yeah, if you're a bartender, you can make $500 in a night, depending on what kind of a place you're in. But you make that $500 a night on the back of a system that also requires the single mom to not mind when the asshole pinches her ass. Because if she says shit to him, she ain't going to get the $2 on the $10 plate. And then she's out $2. And if she loses $2 uh, on every plate, then she's, you know, 
She's breaking even for the day. So do you know why the American restaurant system has tipping and unlike any other country in the world? I mean, there are, there are gratuities in other restaurant systems, but the fact that it's built right into the American price, do you know why that is? I, I, I assume it has to do something with racism, but... Um, tipping came out of um, chattel slavery when it was... Ding. Jim's a winner. When it was um, legal in this country to own other people... And tipping grew out of, you already own these people, but you want to show them that you're swell. You want to show them that you're, oh, you really appreciate them, even though, you know, you also own their children. And here's a coin on top of it. And that, over time, got baked into the basic American restaurant structure, codified in wage laws. Um, You know, that's why in some states, uh, a server can make as little as like $5 an hour plus tips. So um, anything that moves away from uh, a system that, number one, relies on uh, uh, compelled generosity and the only one who ever loses on that deal is the worker, Mm -hmm. not cool. As long as you could just pay people pay them. If you want to be happy and throw them money, throw them money. Um, So I am in favor of things like extra, extra. Um, Some places in town, I don't know if we've, I I guess I'm sort of taking a little bit of a turn here. Let's do it. Take the turns, baby. Is um, the autograt, Mm -hmm. the automatic gratuity. There are places in town where every single table you pay 20% service charge and I'm fundamentally okay with that under two conditions. I actually wrote about this in my column. I'm okay with it under two conditions. One, it's printed on the menu in legible type. Number two, that's not enough though. Number two, the server has to give a verbal reminder at bill presentation. I just want to make sure you understand. I just want to make sure you notice the line that says that we already have the gratuity. If you'd like to show your pleasure or your approval, please do. But I wanted to make sure you didn't miss that. So, or, I mean, it doesn't have to be that long, but because there are numerous reports, of course, you know, you're at the end of the meal. You've been hanging out with your buddies and your friends. You've been catching up. You ordered that extra martini, you know? Are you always going to notice that if somebody doesn't specifically point it out? Maybe you will. Maybe everybody's smart. Maybe somebody notices it on the menu and make sure you can't miss it. Great. A lot of other people don't notice it until maybe they're later, later on at home going through the thing or they're like, huh. So um, I think that autographs, in, in conclusion, <laughs> I think it's autographs are fairer, but you really have to do the information part with a customer base that is largely unfamiliar with these things just so you don't, there's no bad feelings. The other curveball in the whole tipping argument is, um, you know, it's subject to theft, right? I think there, there are rumblings of some restaurant tourists some restaurant owners stealing tips from their employees, especially if it's charged on a card. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that makes the situation even worse. Well, there are four or five restaurant lawsuits that, um, in gar- regarding Buffalo area restaurants where that happened. Mm-hmm. And the only question now is how much money 
the victims are going to be able to get from back from the restaurant owners who stole from them. That's stealing. Right. Yep. Uh, there is a certain breed sub species of restaurant owner that has found that one of the surest profit margins, one of the surest ways to add a percentage to your bottom line is to steal from your employees and it's easy and no one comes after you for it. Why? Well, among other things, we live in a world where if I went into a bar and stole a bottle of vodka, I'd get arrested. Oh, sure. I'd get cuffed and I'd get an appearance ticket or whatever. But if that bar owner steals $1,000 from me in salary and I go to the police and I say, man, I work for the man, he stiffed me. They tell you, well, that sounds like a civil matter. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to hire an attorney. And that's when most people drop it because mm-hmm. they've already got enough shit going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. And that fundamental power imbalance mm-hmm. is used ruthlessly by, again, a small subspecies of restaurant owner to extract value from their employees as well as their customers. And I'm not going to belabor the point at length here, but I have written a number of stories about these things and you could look them up Mm -hmm. on buffalonews.com or send me an email at A-G-A-L-A-R-N-E-A-U at buffnews.com. That's B-U-F-F-N-E-W-S.com. Never buffalonews.com because we don't even have a redirect set up for that. (laughs) It's got to be B-U-F-F-N-E-W-S.com. Not that it still bothers me after 10 years. <laughs> I mean, but that, the, the, the stealing tips, I mean, that just made the national news again like last week with the, the Texas barbecue place, the Texas chain, that was ordered to pay like $300,000 in restitution oh, to wow. employees for stealing wages. $300,000. Russell Salvatore uh, had to pay, well, ended up settling for half a million dollars um, in the legal papers, which anyone can read in the federal lawsuit. He, he shaved off of every single employee by paying the lower than paying a lower than legal base rate among other things. Now, if you're sitting there listening to this and you're thinking like 25 cents an hour is not a lot. All I can say is you've never worked one of those jobs. Yep. So, um, when they got caught, they said, oh, it was all a big mistake. But then um, there was enough testimony to overcome that, uh, along with other things. Uh, New York state law says that if you require your employees to take care of their own uniforms, you have to give them a laundry allowance as part of their paycheck. Right. Either if you're going to make them require, if you're going to make somebody wear a uniform, you either have to provide it or support their costs in maintaining it. That was not done. That was another thing they got dinged for in the lawsuit. Um, see, these technical things, if people don't really track their pay stubs closely, it's easy to steal a few cents an hour from every employee. And if you have a lot of employees, adds up. You know, I've seen office space. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, yeah, yeah, it is, right, it yeah. is, except the instead of the, uh, the, the, the counterculture renegades getting away with it, mm-hmm. it's the man. Right. Again. Yeah. And that he just 
you know, uh, and and then people laud him in this community as like some great hero. Oh sure. Oh, he bought he bought the empty Bills tickets, and now we don't have a blackout. Where did that money come from? Right. Um, it's all tax deductible. Right. Did anybody? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. it's nice that people have things. And here's the attitude, and and this is one of the reasons I have come to believe that for certain people, it's it's part and parcel of practice. Uh, uh, so uh, I wrote the story uh, uh, when they settled the lawsuit. So Russell Salvatore's com- insurance company paid on his behalf like a half a million dollars. And so I wrote the, the piece. I called Russell Salvatore on his cellular telephone, which I had a phone number. He declined to comment, which is often the case with touchy legal mm. things. I said, okay, I wrote the story. And then later uh, I was told that he contacted my editors and was mad that he wasn't able to fully respond. Like he felt okay. he hadn't been able to give his piece. So he wanted another story. And uh, I said, okay. So I call him back. He's on the phone uh, with Mark Yergi, who is his uh, second in command, also a partner, also an owner of Russell Steaks and Chops, Mark Yergi. And um, they're like, listen, we want to, we're going we, to need you to write another article. And I'm like, that's why we're talking. This is great. Uh, well, you got it all wrong, Andy. I'm, uh, I'm like, okay, well, this is cool. So let's start out with making a list of the factual things that are wrong in that article, and we'll address them one at a time. So first, let's, let's make a list. We'll go through it in an organized fashion. Well, Andy, it's not really like that. Oh, it was more you okay. got the whole idea wrong. You oh. made it sound like we were stealing from our employees. Oh. And I said, <laughs> uh, well, sir. Um, it's not stealing from they paid, do it. Somebody paid... Half a million dollars to make all this go away. So, I mean, if it was just nonsense, you would have told them to pound sand, right? I mean, that's the way it works. Well, you know, he he wanted to get it off his chest, so he said his piece, and I so I wrapped it up by saying I was I didn't really wrap it. I said so. What you're saying is that you know your reputation is important to you, and and you felt like you were wrongly cast in that article as stealing from employees. It's that that's your message. Yes. So are you saying today every single employee at Russell Steaks and Chops is being paid the at least the legal minimum? Is that what you're telling me? Oh yeah, Andy, of course. I'm like, well, here's the problem with that. I have pay stubs from three of your employees that sent them to me this week, and they all show that they're making less than the legal minimum Got per hour. Oh, Andy, that, that, that's impossible. There's no way that can happen. I mean, I said, sir, before I spoke to you, I wanted to make sure. I just looked it up on the New York Department of Labor website. I, I invite you to go look at what the law says. It's, you know, and he's like, hang on. And he goes, Yergi goes, and he comes back, and he says, um, you know, Andy, I guess you're right. I guess, uh, you know, somebody screwed up. Can you believe this? And I'm like, <laughs> Can you believe like, that? Oh, my. Uh. Like, <laughs> Like, as if the manager and partner of what, I don't know, whatever it is, a 400-employee right. company who's been in the restaurant business his entire life. Slight oversight. Wouldn't keep track of how much the law says you're supposed to pay people. And, 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 then, he, and then I was like, but, yeah, you were paying them. And then he goes, you were paying them less than the legal minimum. And he's like, well, yeah, well, I guess you're right. But he says, uh, come on. 15 cents an hour. And at that point, I was a little surprised because I was expecting a couple things. I was expecting either, 
oh, geez, Annie, that's terrible. Well, we got to get that fixed. We want all of our right. uh, 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 well-honored uh, worker partners to be properly compensated or expected to hear, you know, God damn it, bleep, bleep, bleep. Can you, we just settled this lawsuit and then now they can't even get the paychecks right. I didn't hear either one of those things. Nope. What I heard was scoffing that it mattered. What I read into that, my inference, I don't really know for a fact, but that he didn't sound surprised actually. Yeah. And, you know, if you can just, and it's, it occurred to me that if you're running a business, part of your practice, if that is the case, where you can always save money by just not updating what you're supposed to be paying people. And when they call you out on it, you can apologize and change it if you're inclined to do so. And look at the money you've saved in the meantime. Well, all that money then goes towards the marketing campaign for, for Russell's yeah. and, the, and the charm offensive uh, for Russell Salvatore. <sighs> I just have to add one more thing. So... Um, after we spoke, Mark Yergi sent out a message on the internal messaging system to the Russell's employees, which I got a copy of. The way he put it was that Albany screwed up and we just found out that you're getting a, a raise. So, Oh, <laughs> thank you for played, the raise. Oh, wow. Well, wait, 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 and and oh. it was that Albany screwed up? Yeah. I mean, like he couldn't have just said, we found out or something. Right. Yeah. I didn't expect him to be like, thanks to Andrew Galarno, right. intrepid reporter. Right. But I was like, <laughs> okay. So what I did was I put that in the end of the story. It got published in the story. <laughs> that, that, that reminds me, uh, in high school, I was working uh, in the kitchen as an for at Fox Valley Country Club. And uh, the minimum wage went up. And the GM called us all in one at a time to tell us he was giving us a raise. Yeah. And he was like, how does that sound to you? And he's like, you know, he expected I was like a 16-year-old shithead. Like, why would I be paying? I was like, sounds like you're following state laws. Minimum wage is going up. Like, <laughs> like you're, not, you're not giving me a raise. Uh -huh. Like, you're, you're giving me a raise because you're being forced to. And he's like, get out of here. Just like. <laughs> well, considering how hard restaurant people work, it kind of bothers me to see them having to bow and scrape and say thank you for the bare minimum yes. so many times. Do you know how many people who I run into, okay, wait, I'm going to back up. The first question I ask people after they start complaining to me about restaurants and restaurant workers and restaurant prices is I say, um, hey, um, do you have health insurance at all? Do you have any health coverage? And 98% of the time, the, the answer of people I run into is, oh, yeah, these people who are complaining. I'm like, do you know restaurant workers do not have health insurance? How many people are surprised by that when you tell them that? I 90%. <laughs> and I'm like, clearly you have never worked in a restaurant or with someone who worked in a restaurant. The, the, just the, all right, this is going to sound grandiose, but I'll do it anyways. In some ways, the American restaurant is a platform, uh, a stage, if you will, for some of the worst parts of American capitalism. The collision of the lack of health insurance and minimum wage standards and rampant uh, wage theft mm -hmm. without, any di without any recourse is the thing. Right. And, and I would also add in there that we don't have any mandated paid time off in this country. That's right. You can be called to come in at any time if they're short. Well, th that, that, or if you happen to get sick as yeah. a restaurant worker right. and you have to take the day off, not only are you sick, 
and in a lot of places, if you have poor management, they tell you you have to find coverage for your shift now that you're sick. Mm-hmm. But also, you're just out that money because you don't get paid at all. Right, and the hill is always steeper to try to recoup anything from the man. I am acutely aware of my privilege in this regard, even talking about this. I am a member of the Buffalo Newspaper Guild. I'm a union employee. You can't do stuff like that to me because I work for a union that has some very strong rules about what you can and can't do or what the bosses can make you do in terms of timing and you know work-life balance type stuff. I get sick days. I Since I've been working for the Buffalo News for 20 years, I get, I'm sorry, restaurant people, I get five weeks paid vacation. Okay. That's great. great. And I am ashamed by how little restaurant people get for the sometimes life-changing work that they do. I mean, how many people do you know have worked in the restaurant industry who got a blown rotator cuff or a bad knee or something from that one time in the walk-in? My little sister just had her baby, um, and she worked uh, as a server. She works as a server. Worked literally up until like two weeks before um, she was about to go out, like on her feet, you know, serving yeah. people. And I, I'm just like, man, this sucks. <laughs> this is terrible. Oh, but how much maternity leave did she get? <sighs> Right. And what, yeah. like you mentioned, like life changing work, like, all right, like I'm going to go out for an anniversary with my partner and I want to make it special. And it's a night to remember. We're not going and getting our fucking taxes done. We're going to like the nicest restaurant we can and, and hopefully get some good service. And we want that to be a memory that we cherish for the rest of our lives. But also we want to make sure that these people get treated like dirt. Right. Well, and like you said, Andrew, the example you gave of the waitress who was getting her ass pinched by just, you know, pond scum sitting at her table and not saying anything so that she gets the tips that she needs, you know, to make make up on the night. Uh, yeah, that's also the flip side of some of the worst excesses of American life that we have, that you can be a little tyrant mm-hmm. and somebody is at your beck and call at a restaurant. And, uh, and I would like to point out, that it is an unfortunate fact that I did use in my example uh, the diner waitress and the $10 plate. It is, um, according to servers who have described their working experiences to me, the bigger the payout at the end of the night, the worse shit you have to put up with to keep the job. So it might not just be a pinch on the butt, as gross and as assault, criminal assault that is, people have to put up with worse. Yeah, it's... um you know, it's it's one of those unfortunate facets of American life that I don't think you could ever fully explain to somebody. I, I know everywhere has their issues and their problems, but this particular one is like, man, we do it really different and weird and bad here. <laughs> well, and, and I would like to ask, I guess, in what other common industry has it been normalized that wage theft, sexual uh, harassment and or assault or just general capitalist importuning uh, uh, is just deemed okay. And if it's not sexual abuse, it's just flat out worker abuse. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with the term clopin? Nope. A clopin is a shift where a restaurant worker not only closes the restaurant, but then they come back and open the restaurant. In a well-organized restaurant that's fully staffed, you have two shifts of people at least, Mm -hmm. the openers and the closers. The openers do prep clean, you know, and the, and then they fire through 
The second shift comes in and fires through dinner and does some cleaning up, does the dishes. The clopen are people who have to close a restaurant at like midnight and then be back at the restaurant at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. to get everything going again because there's no one else. And they have a sense of responsibility. Maybe they like their job well enough. Maybe they just don't know that they can do better. Well, the other problem with a lot of this is that, again, we're getting back to wages and wage theft, is that maybe they know they can do better, but they can't afford to spend the time to look for another position or look for another job because they're just chasing after the bare minimum amount of money they can just to maintain to their current existence. That's, I, will, I mean, that's also a real thing that's happened. I will say that um, one thing that's definitely a trend in the last year is that if you were a restaurant worker with even a year or two of experience, um, you have more mobility right now in this market than there's been in a long time because uh, with the pandemic, a lot of people who had things that were working for them were like, Oh no, no, I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore. So there was a, a real exodus, sure. especially the no health insurance, right? You're in the middle of a pandemic. What more dramatizes the fact that you are the gum on the bottom of society's shoe than being in the middle of a pandemic with no damn health insurance. Um, a lot of people got out of the business, so there is a demand right now. So if you're out there in the restaurant world and things are not going well where you are, it's supposedly uh, an employee's market at this point in Western New York and in a lot of places. Well, speaking of Western New York, let's let's get to a little bit different topic. So we keep talking about places to go and places that we like going to eat, and uh, you know we're we're based out of Buffalo, Kenmore, we tend to be very Erie County centric here. Um, but there are other counties in Western New York, and there's other places to eat in Western New York, surprisingly enough. There are fantastic places to eat outside of Erie County. So let's let's talk about a couple of these places. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think I think most well-known people know that there are some places that you can eat in Niagara County, but there's other counties as well. I love the way you say that. So most people know there are some places you can eat in Niagara <laughs> County. You know they have flush toilets, too. <laughs> I, 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 all the way to the eastern side of Niagara County now, or...? I would slap you, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pacifist at heart. Great places to eat outside of Erie County. Okay, let's start in Lewiston, mm-hmm. Villa Coffee Shop. Yes. Um, which I recently reviewed. Um, a guy who used to be the sous chef at Rue Franklin is with his wife knocking out perfect little menus for dinner three nights a week in addition to some really good breakfasts and lunches a couple days a week. And it's just one of those hidden gems. If you know Lewiston, you already know about Carmelo's, mm-hmm. which is one of my true loves in Western New York. But I'm just saying a new place you might not know about is Villa Coffee Shop. Um, let's go to Youngstown. Let's talk about Bandana's Bar and Grill, um, which might look like just another roadhouse built with a big parking lot for all the Harleys when they're out on the Sunday rides. But the food, Rob Kudel is up there um, just turning out what for me in Youngstown, and that it's not a, a, a restaurant-dense area. I Bandanas is a place you just need to go in there uh, and get some of their scratch-made stuff. Um, the guy still does occasionally a special of, of uh, beef stew with house-made dumplings. Just a good dumpling. I mean, it's it's been a while. 
Okay, let's go to Medina, where oh, for fancy man. stuff, you can go to Harvest Restaurant, which is in the fully restored Bent Opera House on Main Street. You need to check that out. Um, around the corner is the Shirt Factory with lovely breakfast, and later they have a cocktail hour, too, with lovely and nice little Tony sort of martini, Negroni st- level stuff. If you go about two miles east of downtown Medina, um, you're at Monte Alban, Tienda Monte Alban, which is a Mexican grocery store that during the season, uh, during what I mean is during the harvest season, so that's, yeah, they're going to be closing soon. There's a taco stand next to it, which is one of some of my favorite tacos around after Taqueria Los Mayas in Chihuahua. <laughs> I've actually heard that they might actually be building a, a counter inside the store so that those tacos might go year-round. All right. Okay. So, um, uh, uh, Genesee County, uh, Batavia. I really enjoy the pizzas and hearty Italian sort of sandwiches at Roman's on Main Street. Um, they just do this sandwich that I love of a, of a f- nicely long, slow braised pork shredded with uh, green garlicky greens and provolone, and they just bake it off. Mm. It's not a Philly cheesesteak, Philly pork and rob. It's better, actually, I think. Um, okay, Batavia, I'm trying to go in my head here. Mm-mm-mm. Let's go south. Um, the Dog Bar. You guys been to the Dog Bar? No, I have No, not. I'm excited to find out about so the, the Dog, dog bar. bar. is a bar that's decorated with a lot of dogs, and it's been there for, it's an old tavern, family restaurant. It's been on this corner going through different families for like a century or something. Um, they're, they're like a, they're like a, a steakhouse, you know, used to be. Um, and the thing that, uh, I go there for is the lamb chops, but they do the, they do loin lamb chops cut thick and grilled just right. Where's that located? Dog, Dog bar. bar. Dog bar. Somebody, somebody looked that up. It's yeah. down, it's down South. Also <laughs> down South Orchard Park. Now this isn't new. These are some old places too, right? West Falls. West Falls. West Falls. Yes, yeah, where, they ha- where they have that treehouse place. Now. It's yeah. been there a million years, and it is just one of those old timey restaurants where you come in and they do exactly what you want you to do to like a piece of fish or a piece of steak, or uh, definitely get the lamb chops. Well, listen, Hamburg. Oh yes. So Hamburg is the home of Andrew Galarno's favorite number one restaurant in Western New York, Hamburg. That's right. It's not in Buffalo. Randy Hoke, if you're listening, be, be He's ready. Listening, we were just talking about it a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. So, among other things, Hamburg has been blessed with. It has been blessed with Grange Community Kitchen. Uh, Brad, Roll, and Karen uh, put that on the map. I don't know. Is it eight years ago now? So, I will tell you why I have assigned it the gold star, and that is because. There are a number of restaurants uh, in Western New York that are absolutely brilliant at dinner. And there are a smaller number of restaurants that will serve you an excellent lunch and an excellent dinner. Grange is the only restaurant that will just kill you all three phases of the day. You go in there in the morning and it's all, they've got their 
croissant game going. There's like seasonal pastries. Um, Jen Bat, who is their pastry chef, probably is, 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 has my number one, you know, blue ribbon for pastry chefdom, just in terms of like turning out things every week, seasonal, brilliant classics. Um, and then, you know, lunch. They, they're, they're, they're the only place that I know of where you can get absolutely brilliant hummus, freshly ground, not the spackle, mm. okay? If you know fresh hummus, you know what I'm talking about. Mm. Served with, dressed up with all these nice greens and everything, and fresh baked a la minute pita bread, like, that comes out warm. Oh, yes. The combination of bread that had just been baked and just got that little char from the oven and the fresh hummus, and it, you know it's vegan, but it is brilliant, and that's like a lunch. So they also do. They also on from time to time they smoke their own pastrami, and they've got big pastrami smoked pastrami sandwiches. They make the rye bread. They make the mustard. Dinner lights out, brilliant. Uh, pizza game. They have uh, wood fired pizzas that are great. I it, you know a menu that makes you basically want to order one of everything, mm-hmm. and unlike some people. I don't have to pay for it, so I can just <laughs> do that. Just rub it in. <laughs> no, I mean, I look, it's research. Right, right. Listen, I, and then also they have brilliant desserts, and their cocktails are also. They're wonderful. Lights out. Oh, my God. So, I mean, the reason I say ham, uh, Grange, number one, is because they, there's nobody else who does what they do. There isn't. Nope. Um, look, about the spending thing, I I know I'm working for an industry overall that's not doing really hot. Um, well, you're one of the main draws. It's it's worth the investment. And an, and an organ, thank you. And an organization that is contracting. These are non pejorative things. These are factual statements. So, I'm assuming that what I do is fairly expensive as content. That I have a, a limited amount of time. I don't have an un. I don't think I'm going to have this job forever. Mm-hmm. So, when I go to find a place and write about a place, I act with that acute knowledge that there's a limited amount of time I'm going to get to do this. And I want to give the people who have been there reading and being part of the audience the best I have as long as I have because I know I'm not going to be doing this for the Buffalo News in 20 years. As I predicted, Andrew, everything that you've described has made me just salivate. I've got spittle all over the microphone. I've got one more quick one. I noticed a post where you mentioned the paprika princess with this wonderful cake. Uh Uh-huh. What's that all about? So, Aniko Marshall is from Hungary originally. Yeah. Um, She runs a research lab uh, for the cancer docs over at Roswell, and she is one of the best non-professional cooks uh, I've ever met. I met her through something uh, called the Charcuterie Club, which is a -hmm. a Facebook group that grew uh, with people who wanted to make their own charcuterie and bacon and stuff like that. Um, I got, I I started uh, visiting some of their events and her, there was a ringleader, another Hungarian guy named John um, who would, be the straw that stirred the drink. Every time you went to some of these events, he'd be handing out his homemade prosciutto mm. and shots of his, uh, well, he called it panther piss. It's a, <laughs> it's a Hungarian oh. fruit vodka or dist- brandy, I guess you would say. Distilled. I, is it plum brandy? 
You could apparently you can do it from different fruits. Okay. Anyways, so I got drawn into this circle and started to, so Aniko, John Koltai, that was his name, John Koltai, he ended up passing away, but Aniko has been part of a group of people uh, doing dinner parties and more charcuterie stuff. Aniko, I mean, what kind of level of home cooking is Aniko doing? Aniko has, I think, two or three-year-old prosciutto hanging currently curing wow so this what that means is like three years ago she got a hold of a whole bone-in pig leg <laughs> and did the things you need to do yep. and then she's been waiting That's ever amazing. since she has a smokehouse in her backyard and she's uh you know abu- uh, she's right an ebullient uh ambassador not just of hungarian cooking but of cooking in general um one of the the signature events that she has every year is the her Hungarian party, which is held in honor of John Koltai. Mm-hmm. And we all do a shot of, of a, of a Slivo in his honor. Mm-hmm. And um, at one of the Hungarian people she knows made, uh, it's called a Dobrostort. So it's seven layers, seven or eight layers of cake and in be- about each one about, I would say four millimeters maybe five, uh, half a centimeter. And uh, in between them, layers of mocha cream and then dusted with coconut on the sides. But over the top, there's this uh, shimmery mirror of caramel that crackles when you cut it. I love it. And um, as you might expect, this is a bit of a specialty item. Uh, You know, and nobody... I, I posted the picture of it because... I was able to have this great thing and sometimes I try to like use Facebook to project, to manifest my wishes into the world. <laughs> like maybe if I post a picture of this thing that I, can, I could only eat once because I happen to meet the right person and get the hookup. If Facebook's good for one thing, it might be that. Well, and inspiring other people to be like, <laughs> oh, I know where you can get that. Uh-huh. I mean, that's part of why I do it. I don't usually... Uh, work a mean game that is showing people pictures of things they can never have. <laughs> Sometimes I do though. <laughs> I really do. I have pictures from Anacone's Bar and Grill. I have pictures of Leonardi's Double oh, Pep and their yes. white pizza. Sometimes I post those when I'm feeling mean. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know you get Jim going. Did uh, I answer your question? Oh yes, yes. Yeah. So maybe a picture of the sticky toffee pudding from yeah, Black Sheep. That- that's that, yeah, that, I would probably cry for a couple yeah. of weeks. Well, the sheep. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. places, you know, have arcs. People yeah. have arcs. Yep. You know, oh, restaurants are made out of people, mm-hmm. uh, especially the smaller ones that don't have overlapping responsibilities. People grow, people change, they leave, they come back. I hope we see them come back. So mm-hmm. if they're, you know, if the Gedras are fully at peace doing something else god bless them they gave us so much right now but the reason i ask about that is a few years ago i was at a friend's uh, grandmother's and made authentic hungarian goyash and i've been chasing that down ever since so if anyone out there knows where i can find some prepared at a restaurant right you're not going to find it i didn't think so i have been trying to get uh local restaurateurs interested in one particular hungarian speciality that Aniko makes that I think should be a surefire hit. 
It's um, it's a it's a fried dough mm-hmm. that's a savory fried dough that they make. It's enriched with a little bit of uh, it's called langosh. Uh, it's a you know a cake of fried dough, and then it's rubbed with garlic water, which is just chopped up garlic that's sat in water, yep. garlic water, and then you put sour cream, and then you put shredded cheese over it. She said uh, the closest American version of what they would have used in Hungary is like an aged gouda. And then you eat it, and I'm just telling you, I've had, this is I've some had of, that as well. This is some of the most brilliant drunk food, yeah. ever invented. And but and think about the think about the the product cost, right? As long as you can get the dough right, I mean, it's you you can serve that for seventy five cents product cost, and what would a drunk person pay for that? Oh, <laughs> right. Oh, and, and the other thing is that like there's not much cost out there in that. Those are things you're going to have for other dishes that you probably have on your menu. You're not buying anything that you're you're buying specifically just for this dish, and if it doesn't sell, you're never going to use Gouda or sour cream, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a low-risk mm-hmm. thing. So if there is an operator out there who hears this, who wants to learn how to make langosh, I will ask Aniko for you, and if she likes you, she'll teach you. <laughs> I, have, I, I hope if we're wrapping up, no, I just no, want to, no. I want to pimp one more thing. Pimp it out. Let's situation. do it. This is your time. Okay. So every once in a while when I want, so I make a list, I check things out. If I go to a restaurant and I'm not impressed or I don't think it's a good value, or I don't think people are going to like it or whatever. I don't like it. Nobody hears about it. I mean, I'm not going to run anybody down. You know, a place can always get better place can always have an off day you know it's just so much better that way so i only do ups but every once in a while when i'm ticking off my list i'm like all right i gotta go to here and see this thing i run into something that makes me go oh shit (laughs) this this is it this is the real deal the world must know yes i have something for you now i'm going to tell you about i can't wait there's two mexican guys who run something called the whole empanada uh, you can follow them on Instagram. Yeah, I follow them on Instagram. And at this point, they're only serving at the Lockport uh, Community Market and the North Tonawanda Farmer's Market, but not each day of the North Tonawanda Farmer's Market. So usually Saturday. But anyways, I am just telling you that if you love Mexican food, mm. In general, or empanadas in specific. Oh, yes. Track these guys down, find out where they are, and buy their shit. Because everything that they have made, that I have tasted so far, has been brilliant. Let me explain a little bit. Um, So empanadas, they're uh, a filled pastry. Um, yeah, you get them at Mighty Taco, right? Taco food. Oh, yeah, the Mighty Taco. We have, yeah. Anyway, we have. <laughs> I think Andrew might just whip that piece of bread at my face. Um, if you weren't such a pacifist. You can't get these at Mighty Taco. <laughs> no, 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 no. So um, emp- here's the thing. Uh People might be familiar with uh, pastillos, the mm-hmm. Puerto Rican or Dominican, which, are, yeah. which are deep fried. This is a baked oh, turnover, okay. okay? So a little less, less, definitely less greasy. And their pastry is terrific. It's a little bit buttery, but it's tender enough, and it holds up. It doesn't 
rapidly turn to mush like some fried things do. Um, in other words, you can buy it at the market, take it home, and it's still like, yum. So, um, f- let's see. They have a, a Cuban, which is roast pork, Lovely. ham, dill pickle, mustard, Swiss cheese, in the pastry. I think it's uh, $6. Um, I'll take 12 They are always doing a uh, dessert special based off of seasonal fruit. Um, the last one that they had that they no longer have during peach season mm-hmm. was these guys made one of these pastries with a nice crumble on top. It's with a dessert um, filled with Niagara County peaches that they caramelized oh in God. mezcal. Oh, my God. Wow. So smoky, fruity, peachy. I think they charge six bucks for it. Oh, like, you got to be kidding God. Me. But and here's I'm what I'm telling you. That. Here's what I'm telling you. Got some FOMO. The, a lot of times you can get people excited with a dish description and then you eat the thing and the thing is like, uh, I mean, I get it. Like I get that you put all those things in there. This cooking is not like that. It's just cooking. I had it and I'm like, we need to get these guys a restaurant. We need to get them open. We need to get them employees. We need to get them like, cause their shit is dope. Oof. I am trying, uh, well, that's not the right word. I have introduced the Empanada fellows to the people at the um, Grant Street Winter Market. Robbie Giannata from Flat 12 mm-hmm. and Ryan Fernandez from Southern Junction over there. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Empanadas will be available uh, this winter at the Grant Street uh, Winter Market, which is usually, what, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so the people of Buffalo won't, have to go through all the trouble of driving to North Tonawanda <laughs> for these things. I mean, sorry, the, the, the things that people won't do, yeah. like I post something and people are like, but that's in X. I'm like, are you telling me you've never driven 30 minutes to go to your, you know, favorite shoe store or, you know, <laughs> your favorite bar or something? I mean, you, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't drive 30 minutes for dinner. That That's, that's a, a, like a West New York small city, like being spoiled, like, you know, like, I mean, I, it, you know, you go into like large cities or like even like just downstate, like anywhere in the Hudson Valley, like people drop 30 minutes at the drop of a hat. It's, we're very European here where you're like, ah, or like English, I guess, of, of, of the Europeans. You're like, ah, 30 minutes outside London might as well be in Japan, right? Yeah, except. In England, they have public transit. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. If we had that, it might not be a, as right, big right, of a deal. Right. Well, also, if we drank like the English, yeah. we'd have to have more public transit, too. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 30 minutes by car, hour and a half by bus, right? So. I'm not sure you really want to be, you know, <laughs> dismissing Buffalo's drinking powers, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I always joke that if I were a food writer, Andrew, I would... I would only be able to describe things as having like a delicate bouquet. Like that's all, that's my limited vocabulary for food. And for you to have done this over the years and describing things so well and being such a force and a talent um, for the Buffalo News, you are truly uh, one of the jewels of that organization. And to talk with you in person, uh, you are just as effective uh, talking as you are in writing. So I thank you for joining us and you know, not only talking about the good places, but kind of doing the deep dive with us on on the restaurant industry here too. 
Um, I know you dropped your socials earlier, but is there anything else you want to share or any, uh, anything you want to get out there for the people? Just, um, I appreciate the audience. I appreciate the attention, you know, at Buffalo food on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at the Buffalo news at a G A L A R N E A U at B U F F N E W S dot com. Not Buffalo news, never Buffalo news.com. <laughs> so, you know, reach out. I mean, some, so many, part of the reason I'm excited to do this job is because I am supported by so many people, not just people who have subscriptions. I wish there were more. Please buy the Buffalo News. <laughs> but, I mean, just people who think of me to give me information to help me be better at my job. Um, I love getting a note that says, hey, you got that wrong. Because it means that they're pointing out a hole in my game. You know? I love uh, getting a note that says, here's a place you don't know anything about. Because I'm like, oh, thank you. I mean, there's six counties in Western New York. There's a lot of real estate. And without a crew of, of, of really faithful, dedicated correspondents, tipsters, I couldn't do what I do. That's how I find out about the far-flung places. I get a letter from somebody who says, we should go to Daryl's Restaurant in Middlesport. And I'm like, I've never been to Daryl's Restaurant in Middlesport. And he's like, I'll show you what you're missing. And you know what? Herb was right. Because Daryl's is dope. And if you don't get the creamed codfish over the baked potato, I don't right. even know what you're doing with your life. That's Middleport, right? That's in northern New York County, people. Oh, oh my God. What's that, a 40-minute drive? Do they have portable water there? No, but I mean, <laughs> part of the idea of the, of the geographic dispersion is to, is to drive home the point that we all have things to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Of course. It's not just people in Buffalo or... Um, Kenmore, wherever you guys want to draw the wall here. <laughs> I want to celebrate the, 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 the better than average bacon, egg, and cheese that they're doing at the little corner thing because it's like, yes, there's a place in everybody's life for a better bacon, egg, and cheese. Oh, yes. So tell me about that. Thank you for your time. All right, Andrew Galarno, thanks for joining us. Thanks,